Let us pray. God of mercy, you promised never to break your covenant with us. Amid all the changing words of our generation, speak your eternal word that does not change. Then may we respond to your gracious promises with faithful and obedient lives. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Last week, Todd Bolsinger told us of a famous rabbi who once said that if you want to know what the Bible teaches, it comes in a single word, remember. Remember what God has done for you. The scripture this week, the story of Noah, points to that remembering. And the psalm we just read and sang together asks God to be mindful, to remember God's mercy and love. The psalmist implores God, according to your steadfast love, remember me. As we gather today, what do you remember? What do you remember today of the ashy cross left on your forehead Wednesday on, the fir on this first Sunday of Lent? Our scripture today is from Genesis 9, verses 8 to 17. Let us hear the word of God. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, as for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of flesh, and the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. This is the word of the Lord. The covenant that God makes with Noah is the first, but it's not a typical covenant. A covenant is usually between two parties who both make promises. Each have something they need to bring into the covenant. But this here, only God is promising. There are no stipulations or requirements that either party are to follow. It is God's promise to all of creation, to all of us today. It's about recreating after the flood has destroyed all of creation. We hear of this newness, this newness of recreation in Psalm 25. The psalmist is asking to be taught God's ways, God's truth and mercy, God's steadfast love, to be made anew. Lent is a season of reflection, of remembering, as we walk the way that Jesus, of Jesus to the cross, 
hoping to be made new in the process of remembering. The story of Noah is a terrifying one. Death and destruction cover the earth, and only one family, Noah's, and the animals that they saved survive. So I wonder how much of the story people remember when nurseries for newborn babies are being designed with an ark theme. Or maybe it's the promise of God to never completely destroy everything again. There is love and hope here, newness and birth. This is what we see in God's promise to Noah, compassion and mercy. There will be loss again, but never total destruction. Here we see that there will be loss, but there is always that promise of hope. Here in the Lenten season, we remember the promise of the gospel, that the promise of the gospel is not life without death, but resurrection from death. God's sign of the covenant is a bow in the sky. We remember the flood. The rains come first, but the the bow comes after, for we're reminded that God is merciful and shows us always his steadfast love. God may have needed the rainbow to remember that when the evil tendencies of our human hearts rise up again and again, because we so often do not change, God will remember how these human creatures he created will stray, but God will not. God's steadfast love for us is just that, everlasting and sure, even when we're unable to remember all that God has done for us. We have reminders embedded into our lives together of covenants and promises of God and ours. Remember your baptism and the promises made to you and your parents. So we too are called and promised to walk this journey of faith with the child and their family. Words we share when we baptize. These are the things that we remember Maybe we should say these every week. Our book for the small groups this Lent is David Zoll's Low Anthropology. Dave starts his book with a story about his friend Josh and Josh's commitment and Josh's comment that when his friends turned 25, they all got the manual, the guide to adult life. And he must have been absent that day. I think many of us feel that same way. We see someone succeed and tell ourselves that that was just easy for them. They didn't have to struggle. We're not privy to the study habits or the lives of each of them, and we do a disservice when we make it sound easy, when we hide our own struggles. One of the first sermons I heard at the chapel at Princeton Seminary was from Jan, the minister of the chapel. In the congregation of students and faculty, there were about 200 of us who were beginning our first week in seminary. And if we are honest, wondering how we got there. She spoke of the fear many of us were experiencing, and she put a name to it, and it's the first time that I had heard this, the imposter syndrome, that feeling that we are here by a mistake, and that someone had made a mistake in the admissions office, and that soon enough they would find out that we were not qualified to be here that we did not belong and would soon be sent packing. It was as if she could read my mind, that she had picked me out in the congregation and was speaking directly to me. Christy Finley, we're sorry about the mistake, but you aren't supposed to be here. 
As I looked around, just about everyone was nodding in agreement, the students and the professors. I thought I was the only one who ever felt like an imposter, that everyone else had their act together. It was eye-opening to hear that this is a common emotion. I struggled with it throughout my life, and I was no spring chicken when I started seminary, and I can still, it still can rear its head to me at times. And that's when I need to remember that when I am afraid, God draws near. I remember how one of my children, when beginning something, anything new, would say, I don't know how to do that. To which I would reply, that's why you're taking this class or you're learning this skill. And the response would always be, no, they all already know it. I'm the only one who doesn't. I wish that we could be vulnerable and honest with each other and not feel that we always have to act like we have it all together. That we would remember that we are all more alike than different. This imposter syndrome hits us hard here at the church too. We're afraid we don't know enough about our faith, about the Bible, and that if people were to know this, that they would judge us. How many feel that they're ill-equipped to teach a class because they are not a Bible scholar. Well, I am not a Bible scholar. That takes years and years of study, and I started a bit late. We have a few Bible scholars in our midst. That is their gift, but it doesn't need to be all of ours. The Bible is God's living word to us. Remember that. It is God's word to all of us. We don't need to be an expert to share it together. Dave Zoll's definition of anthropology for the purposes of his book is defined as this, our operative theory of human nature. And he goes on to say, seeing people as they truly are, as opposed to how we would have them be, is a crucial ingredient to generating authentic compassion and lasting love. This is how I believe God sees us. Maybe only God sees us as we truly are. We can think we're guiding people to believe that we're perfect without flaws because we're afraid that they will judge us or that they will not love us. We think we know what is best to protect ourselves, but the wickedness of the humans God had created broke his heart. That is what got them into trouble, what brought on the flood. God was not hard-hearted. God was brokenhearted. But God sees us as we really are and loves us. God does not love someone because of what they have or what they've done. What we see on the outside, their results. God loves us for what almost nobody else sees. God stays with us throughout all the horrors we bring upon the earth and on each other. God wanted us to be better, and so God sent his only son to take on flesh and walk among us, to teach us in person, not only through the words of scripture, but with his very life, to help us remember. And Jesus left us with words of remembrance, with a new covenant. We hear these words every time we share communion. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And with the cup, he says, this is the new covenant 
sealed in my blood for the forgiveness of sins, whenever you drink of it, do so in remembrance of me, urging us not to forget, as we are so prone to do. Remember, I am with you until the end of the age, he tells us, words of steadfast love and mercy to us. Remember when you see the rainbow, remember whose love carries us and sustains us, even when we think we're doing it ourselves or that we feel we can't do anything at all. God remembers that we are weak and will continue to sin, but loves us still, asks us to remember that love so that we will not be so afraid, so that fear will not rule our lives, that we will focus on reaching out to each other to worry less about our differences, that we are to remember to love one another as God loves us with steadfast love. Amen.